0: And I'm just a super nerd. Hello, listeners. Welcome to episode 324 of the Paleo View. As promised, it's an exciting week here. We have a guest. We don't it's often have so guests. It's been so long since we've had a guest. It's Listen, like we have to time in the Paleo View. We have to find someone worthy of joining us. And this week we have conquered it. Noelle from Coconuts and Kettlebells is here. Hi, Noelle. Hi, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so full disclosure, Noelle and I are, are Skyping as we do on podcasts, but you actually moved to the area. And are like down the street, which is so cool. We've been able to hang out since we moved um, from Pennsylvania to the Northern Virginia area. So, welcome, <laughs> which
2: basically means I get to come over to Stacy's house and eat her and Matt's food. So I'm, I am I am super lucky.
1: <laughs> I am so jealous of like both aspects here. <laughs>
0: Yeah. This I want to hang out too. This is not, oh man. Well, it's you a know. win-win because when you come and eat the food, it means I get to play with cute baby girls and then <laughs> you take them home yeah. and I'm stuck yeah. with stinky boys. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sarah, you'll be here in not too long. I actually That's just true. messaged Noelle earlier today and said, we're trying to plan um, something with people who are in the area while you're here. So we'll, we'll make magic happen and we can all have a, a big paleo party. Um, but listeners, sorry, you won't be here for that, but we'll document it, of course, You'll as we You'll see it on Instagram. <laughs> <Yeah>. That's it. <laughs> uh, but in the meantime, we thought it was high time to bring someone on the show to talk about fitness. We haven't talked about fitness in a long time, mostly because I think I said to Sarah, I can't mentally handle talking about fitness right now (laughs) after my back injury and that just kind of um, snowballed into way too long of not talking about it. But obviously fitness is super important to your health and what is special about Noelle is that she has experience doing that sort of thing for long-term health and managing through chronic illness and all that kind of stuff, which we're going to talk about today. So if you're not familiar with Noelle, her blog is coconutsandkettlebells.com. She also runs the Strong From Home program um, and has a book as well, which covers um, a four-week personalized food and fitness plan. Um, and that's coconut and kettlebells also. So welcome, Noel, And for what I haven't just disclosed, uh, maybe you can tell us about yourself. I love that you have uh, credentials and different kinds of things on how this all works together. And you know, I'm a big fan. So make our listeners be big fans. Tell them about yourself. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I'll keep it short. I feel like the older I get, and the more, especially becoming a mom, it's like all of a sudden my story gets so much longer and detailed, and I'm like, okay, I just got to knock this down. But the the short and sweet of it is, uh, when I was younger, I was always into fitness. I was doing all the fitness things. I was spent. I spent way too much time um, doing tri- you know, training for triathlons and doing marathons, and I'd run. Oh my gosh, so many miles and. It really was a mindset issue. It, uh, you know, I always thought it was because I just loved the training. I just loved triathlons, and you know that was the story that I told myself. And I kept getting praised for it, and people would tell me how much you know. how, Wow, you're so self. You just you just have such self control, and you're you're so on top of it, and you're so determined and disciplined, and. That just really fed into this ego of, oh, look at me. I'm better than everybody else because I can make myself run um, more than they can, uh, which is crazy to say now. But really, that's what it kind of all boiled down to. And the reason that I really got hung up in all of that was because I had this kind of obsession with trying to control uh, my body and my weight um, you know, like most people in high school, I started gaining weight and getting curves and that was very normal and that was fine. There was nothing wrong with that. But I, um, I perceived that as that was something, there was something wrong with that. And so I was trying to gain back that control, which I felt I didn't have anymore. And, you know, moving through college and all that kind of stuff, I really just destroyed my body doing what i thought what everybody told me was healthy which was you know working out all the time and eating you know low calorie and all that stuff and i eventually broke um mentally emotionally physically and it that's when i i found paleo um which i'm not anymore but that's when i really found paleo and learned about a different way of a life you know living and a lifestyle i had been a vegetarian and always eaten low fat and the one thing that I'm so thankful to paleo um, for is that it really taught me that maybe calories didn't matter so much, right? Like that was the only story that I had been told. And so I was able to release that from myself in terms of like this hyper control around calories and all that kind of stuff. And I was able to explore what it would be like eating more nutrient dense foods and not worrying about the calories, but exploring what my body needed and wanted and going off of that. And, um, you know, through the years, I've kind of ebbed and flowed and done different things. You know, of course it started out as like, no, you you didn't even eat an apple, you know, or carrots because it had too much sugar. And that of course was a disaster for me. And I was still trying to maintain this, you know, high level of CrossFit and high intensity training. And I thought, any sort, if you know, if you were, if you walked or you did water aerobics or you did the elliptical, oh my gosh, it was just like, how could you do that? You know, this is this is the better way to work out. And I, like Stacy, um, struggle with back issues. Have had a chronic back issue my entire life, and you know, a lot of the CrossFit stuff. Well, it's great um, and amazing. I. Again, was like wrapping my worth up into like how much I was backlifting and deadlifting and all that stuff. And I just pushed myself so far that I. Never really felt like I was healthy to be quite honest. I felt like I was always run down and tired, and i I was always nursing my back, always nursing some sort of twinge or ache or pain on my knee or my shoulder or whatever. I was just constantly you know soaring in pain and oh i'm you know I'm trying to foam roll it out and all that stuff and Um, I got to a point where I had just, I I was kind of done with it. Truthfully, it's when I got pregnant. um, And I was just in so much pain that I thought, you know, what, like, why do I keep trying to go back to this? Uh, Why do I keep, what, why do I keep thinking about, oh, I've got to get back to the deadlift. I've got to get back to the back squat. So once I had kind of had my nutrition in order and I had, you know, developed that and I was eating a low inflammatory diet and I was eating plenty of carbohydrates and all that kind of stuff, it was really the fitness that was like the last thing for me where I kind of had wrapped up my worth in. And I think we still, you know, as humans, we still kind of struggle with this, um, wrapping our identity up into things that we do. Um, But when I got pregnant, I was in so much pain. And I thought about my body getting bigger. And I was just like, what am I doing? You know, like, why do I keep trying to do this back squat thing? And like, why why do I think I need to only lift heavy weights? Like, that's the only way to, to get fit. And so I did do a lot of research around that. And I just started doing what worked for me. I stopped really chasing after fitness in, in one defined way. And I started, um, I got into PT. And I learned a lot about just band work and strengthening the body and building balance overall and how important, you know, all of the muscles of the core are and the how important the pelvic floor is. And I think it just opened up my mind to an entirely new way of thinking about what it means to be healthy and what it means to be fit. It doesn't mean, you know, squatting your body weight, back squatting your body weight. Now, while that's great, you don't have to do that to be a, a fit person and, I found that I felt a lot better. I actually, my weight stabilized uh, much more so. And I was able to just like maintain health by doing things that I like felt was right for my body. So if it was just some kettlebell work, that's all I did. And it wasn't like I was using the heaviest kettlebell. Um, you know, it was just basic short workouts. It was doing a lot of walking. And um, I I had a pretty tiring postpartum experience as most moms do. And again, that's been a whole new learning experience, which is like, how do I how do I pursue fitness in a way that works for me and in my life, as opposed to looking on Instagram or looking around at what my neighbor's doing or whatever, and thinking about, you know, quote unquote, what I should be doing, what what's going to serve my body today. And so that is what I help people do now is like, let's create a plan that is right for you, not what you think you should be doing, you know, in quotations. And whether that's working out 10 minutes a day or doing a walk or just going for a gentle swim like there's no such thing as oh i have to work out for an hour or it doesn't count which that was always my mentality you know you just you take the time you have and you do something with that um and so that's kind of was the basis of strong from home that's the basis really the fitness section of the book is really all about that which of course there are some very real truths about fitness just as there are about nutrition and so the book incorporates that, but it also incorporates the fact that mental health is paramount and in my in my opinion, even like even more important than your physical health because it directly impacts your physical health. So if your mindset's off and your mental and emotional health is off, like good luck trying to get physically healthy. So that's that was trying to be the short of it, but ended up being semi long. <laughs> that's the stuff.
1: Do you think that part of, because I, you know, I think we, I think you're right that we all have some aspect some, something that we do in our life that we put a lot of our sense of self-worth into that thing. And, you know, I've observed, right, family members in my family who have lost that one thing. And it's basically like completely created a life crisis for them because their Mm -hmm. sense of identity is wrapped up into, you know, whatever that one thing is. And I wonder if it's because of the mindset piece, if we're literally making that thing a stressor by tying so much of our sense of self to whatever that external thing is. And when it comes to like fitness, right? Like fitness is a physical stressor. It's additive on top of a psychological stressor. This is one of the conversations I have with my AI peers all the time of like, you have to be really mindful when you're working out what your psychological stress is, because these things add and you might not, you might be looking at exercise as being your stress relief, but it's not necessarily going to be that if you're doing something like, Crossfit that's really strenuous on your body. Mm-hmm. So I, I wonder if if that piece of mindset really translates to a stress, right? It's it's uh when we're you know seeking, we're being ambitious and we're working towards that next thing because our identity is wrapped up in whatever that right trajectory is, um, does it stop becoming something that is enriching our lives that because it's defining us, it's actually undermining our ability to have a uh, sort of a healthy mental state.
2: I love that. I, yeah, I a hundred percent, I think so. Yes. And I, I think the real problem is when we, we find our worth in these things, especially when it comes to a way that we eat or a way that we work out. Yeah. And like you said, our, our worth and our identity and, and how we view ourselves. It, be, is, it begins to be wrapped up in whatever sort of outcome we're hoping for. And I know that that is a big thing that happens, especially in the endurance community. You have these great, huge goals, and you're, you are the triathlete, and that becomes your thing. And I think people, unfortunately, do feed into that. You know, they they start to to kind of puff you up because, oh, you're doing this thing, and it's so cool, and you're so great, and you're so much, you know, quote-unquote, better than me, and so – Yeah. Fitness industry is just a disaster when it comes to that kind of stuff. We just, people love to sort of put themselves above other people based on what you do and how much you do. And so it's just like, if you are, if you really wrap your worth up into your ability to complete some sort of event or achieve some goal, it can be really toxic, you know, long-term. And that's, that's one of the things that I, people are always like, oh, you have to set goals and, you know, they have to be this exact way. And I'm actually of the I, I don't love that. I don't, while that may work for some people, it doesn't work for others. And I think we have to acknowledge that and say, it's okay to make a goal and to then be moving towards that goal, especially when we're talking about fitness and change and be okay, changing it and say, Ooh, this, this is actually not good for me. This is right. not good for my body. I'm going to, I'm going to flip the script here and, and switch it up. And that's okay. That doesn't make you a failure, so, of course, there's a lot of deep-rooted things wrapped up in that that our culture likes to put on us or say about fitness or our ability to, you know, complete a goal, but it it's it's okay, you know? There is no rules around this. There's what's right for you, so, yeah.
1: We do tend to have this mentality now, I think, as a society in diet and fitness, that, right, if a little bit is good, then a lot's even better, right? And we see this in all of the different sort of fad diet extremes. You see this in some of the... Um, sort of fitness, sort of really sort of like extreme training when it, you're talking about a hobby, right? It's different if you're talking about a professional athlete, but talking about hobbies that become, they're becoming more and more time consuming because we have this, right? I'm, you know, if, if uh, an hour is good for me, then three hours has gotten better, right? <laughs> like, and we want to like always be one upping, whether we're competing against, you know, somebody outside of ourselves or we're competing against ourselves or some, you know, some, version of ourselves that we've put up on this pedestal that we can achieve if we only work harder. Right. And I think that is, we we see that across the board. Like we, it's not just fitness. We see that, um, in a lot of the sort of health and wellness sphere of, um, this loss of the idea of moderation. And I, I really, really don't like the phrase like everything in moderation, because I think we use that as an excuse to do whatever we want. But at the same time, the body is built you know, our biological processes basically all have a happy medium where mm-hmm. they work optimally. And, you know, too little is a problem and too much is a problem. And fitness is exactly right. We've got a U-shaped curve. We see all these health problems in elite athletes that are related to the stress that int- intense physical training has in our body. And yet, you know, it's so easy to kind of fall down that rabbit hole of but I want more. And I want to be able to do that thing that that person can do. And I, you know, like, I, I totally understand. How do you, um, when you're working with a client, what, how do you, how do you get somebody to, to dissociate from that type of mindset, from that type of, you know, Oh, but you know, I want to be able to do a muscle up or whatever it is. Like Mm -hmm, I, mm -hmm. there's this, there's this thing that's this huge goal. And if I said, I want to be able to do a muscle up, my coach would be Sarah. Your shoulders are never going to do a muscle up. That's not a good goal. And I would say you're right. I'm not that young. My shoulders won't do that. Uh, that would not be a good goal for me. How about I plan on a strict pull up? And my coach would say, Great. Let's work on that. Um, how, how do you how do you dissociate somebody from a goal that is actually going to be potentially destructive versus productive?
2: I I think it all starts with understanding that bodies have limitations and every body is different and everybody has a different history. So just like with nutrition, you know, and there's so much wrapped up in what works for us and our body size and our body shape and all that stuff. You know, you have a very (laughs) unique history when it comes to what your body is going to be physically capable of and able to handle. And you have your own set of prior injuries and imbalances and weaknesses and issues. And I think that we have to start with that mindset of, like you said, more is not better. More is just more. And workouts are stress. There are things that are stressful. and. Within working out and you have your body has to be ready to take on that stressor and you're going to have to be able to rest accordingly after that. And, And one of the things that I love to kind of the light bulb goes on with with clients with this is is to make sure that people know, you know, your rest, that is when you become stronger when you're working out. That is when you are doing damage. That's what. That's when we're causing micro tears, and we're causing, you know, essentially we're causing our body stress. And so we have to be able to one, be prepared to take on that stress, but two, be able to rest and afterwards, and and completely recover from that. And people operate at all different abilities to do that. And so, what you can do for you, that is what. You know, I think what is it <laughs> that popular like T-shirt? It's so a millennial thing, like you versus you or whatever. But it, <laughs> you know, it's, it's it's really about where where have you started, and then where how, what can we do to get you progress and get you to a place that makes your body healthier and doesn't, like you said, tip the scale of going beyond health and actually causing harm because fitness can absolutely do that like you like you said with professional athletes it's like crazy people think that they're the, the most fit people in the world but sometimes they're they're the most damaged you know they have the most injuries and they have a lot of chronic issues and um so yeah it's it's really just a mindset thing i love the uh, minimum effective dose Uh, explanation where it's like, look, water boils at a very specific temperature. And if you turn up that knob on the, on your, on your, whatever your stove, you have a pot of boiling water, like adding more heat to that water doesn't quote unquote, make it boil more, right? It's just redundant. It's, it's just, it's not used. And that's the way that I would, I kind of start with my clients and especially my program. And in the book, it's all about when you're thinking about dose and what it is that you want to be able to achieve long term, think about the minimum effective dose. You know, what can you do with, with the smallest, what, what can you get out of the smallest amount of work? And that's not to say, oh, you're just so lazy and all that stuff, which is, again, what Pinterest memes would love us to think. It's it's really being smart about your long term health, especially if you have a chronic issue like a back issue or you have a chronic illness. You have to be very intense intentional with when and how much you expose your body to, you know, the fitness stuff, whether it's strength training or, you know, cardiovascular stuff or
0: whatever. So, so So what, what, okay. Sorry. Go, Stacey. That's okay. I, I just wanted to add, because I do think that there's a nuance to this that I don't want to lose. And as someone who trained really hard two to three times a week intentionally to give myself the rest that we're talking about, but um, and also for strength training, um, f- it would take me three to four hours to do a strongman training day, not because I was going insane for three to four hours, but because you do an event and like, if you see power lifters and strongman, they, they like bring their own chair- chairs to the gym to like sit down after they do an activity <laughs> and do something else. So I'm, I, I totally am, I'm all behind the resty, but I do think that this idea of, um, minimum dose or whatever I want to clarify, and and I think we're on the same page, but I want to make sure our listeners hear, which is that there there is different kinds of physical activity that cause different results in your body. And when we're talking about the type of fiber that you're accessing, where, you know, Noelle, you're talking about like a lighter kettlebell because you and myself as well have back injuries, that's different Mm -hmm. for somebody who is maybe looking to improve their hormone health and prevent osteoporosis and create good bone density by lifting heavy like we're not saying that lifting heavy in general is a problem it's that not at all you know yeah. you need to understand how often you're doing it and how much you're resting and nutrient density to help replenish glycogen as well as nutrient stores. Like we hear people all the time in the fitness and especially Noel, as you refer to like triathlon type community runners talk about, you know, carbing up and replenishing glycogen stores, but that's not the only thing that your body needs after you've done this physical activity that as we're describing is a stress. Like in order to grow new muscles, you have to tear them a little bit. And that's how they build themselves back up. It is, it is this stress that we're talking about in your body. And so therefore you need all that micronutrient density, not just macronutrients um, when you're looking at filling up your plate and all of the things that you're, you're doing. So that's, I just, I was like listening and I wanted to make sure that I clarify, this is not like an anti, um, you know, lifting heavy approach where what, what I think we're all saying is you just, you need to be mindful. Like, what are your goals? What is your health condition? And don't just get in the the mindset of like, well, because Jane over here is doing, Muscle ups, therefore, I need to do muscle ups. Or just because Bob is, you know, deadlifting 400 pounds, I need to deadlift 405 pounds, which, P.S., as I've shared on the podcast, is exactly how I injured my back. I was being bullheaded. And there was a dude that questioned my ability to lift a concrete bag in a garden. And I was like, well, if you're questioning me, obviously I'm going to do it. Don't do that. That's not a good life choice, everybody.
2: That's so surprising, Stacey. I know. It's a shocker, right? So you.
0: Thanks, Noelle. <laughs> Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah. No, I completely agree. I completely agree. This is not anti-lift heavy. It's don't lift heavy if it's not right for you. Right. And there's plenty of people who aren't pursuing fitness they're they're doing they have very real goals and that's a whole other issue you know i have people who are doing very specific competition stuff and they have to adjust their weight to meet a a competitive weight and that's a whole other story and it's a strategy and it's a sport and i totally understand um and then there are people like my husband who are who is you know he is invincible which he can do lots of things and not really get injured and so it's more about just a time constraint for him and 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 again, a mindset thing of like, hey, you know, you are a dad now and you don't have to wrap up your worth into your ability to maintain the fitness that you've always done your entire life. And that's been a huge adjustment for us as parents because that was our thing, you know, and so we've both had to change together. And I think it's a healthy thing to do is just to reassess, you know, how much am I putting my worth into this thing? Um, And but everybody has different abilities and also different desires and goals and and time, you know, so yeah, yeah I want to explore the concept of a rest day in a
1: little bit more detail because I think that means different things to different people. Um, so I would love for you to like describe what a rest day is, but also like what what somebody who is like your husband and is invincible, um, might do with a rest day and how often he might take a rest day versus somebody who is following a fitness plan with a chronic illness and is really just trying, you know, health is the goal, right? Not, not fitness per se, but health general, what rest days might look like for that person.
2: Yeah. um, I think it's really easy for people like my husband because they just kind of have these like planned rest days and it doesn't have to be super intentional. And there are a lot of people out there like that. Although I don't think it's the majority, Um, you know, and also call when you're in college, you're invincible. And so there's a lot, a lot of college students do it this way too. But, you know, I have a kind of a chart for what I recommend people work out how much Working out, you do to, you know, to include, well, I mean, eventually that all that, ha- what you get from that is how many rest days you get a week, but it's, you know, Hey, work out three days a week. If you're a newbie Work out you can add an extra day. Once you've been working out for about five to six months. And the maximum I put is five days a week. If you've been working out for a year and you have experience with, you know, high intensity work, um, that can be five days of working out and two days of Rest. And for people who are used to and have experience with high intensity training and they have some really strong goals that they're going for and they're more athletic, you know, rest day might be a little bit different. It might be still continuing to move. It might be a walk. It might be some mobility work, uh, which I think is crucial. It could be um, some very intentional like heat and ice. It could be some stretching and or dynamic range of motion stuff just to kind of keep your muscles loose and also to work on mobility and work on some of those problem areas that might be what a rest day looks like but to go to what I feel like I get the most questions about and where I feel like a lot of people who are in my community and likely in your community as well people who are suffering from chronic conditions or chronic health issues I am really like more a lot more lenient and I try to work on people's mindset too but it's it's just if you wake up and you don't feel something feels off then you you have the freedom this is a completely up to you you have the freedom to turn that workout day into what I call is a restorative day which would be mobility work or walking you know go for a walk or you sleep you know I, I it's the more I think the more I age but also the more <laughs> the more I work with people. Um, the over 30 crowd, let's just say that the more I think we know how important things are like sleep, like, you know, eating nutrient dense foods and just relaxing and meditating and that sort of thing. And if you have a really rough night when your kid's up all night and throwing up, like, I don't think, you know, pushing your body to get up to make sure you do that high intensity workout, that might not be the best issue when we're talking about just general fitness goals, right. We're talking about just maintaining health and, and remaining healthy with a chronic illness or, or with a chronic issue. Um, so I have, I'm of the mindset of let's prioritize rest and health as a baseline, like good sleep. Let, I mean, it doesn't have to be perfect sleep. I know everybody struggles, but like Let's prioritize sleep when we can. And then when we know when you feel good, when your your body feels like it's able to take on something, you know, it's you're just gonna have to take it as a day-by-day thing. So if for example, if you have a thyroid issue or you have a major autoimmune disease, it's you've gotta wake up and assess how you feel. You know, you've got to wake up and say, Do I have the energy? Do I feel like my body's able to take on a high-intensity workout? Because I have that on my schedule, I have that on my program. And if it's yes then do it, you know, and, and get that workout in. But if you wake up and you say, I don't feel right, you know, you have the authority and the ability to turn that into a more restorative day where you can walk or you can do some band work. I'm a huge fan of bands and just the ability, what they do. Um, pro overall health for core strength and all that stuff. And that is why I try to include a variety of workouts in whatever programs or things that I give people, because it's like, Hey, here's a really great high intensity workout with a kettlebell or dumbbells. Um, if you can't do that, here's an, also another really great workout that you can do with some bands. And so it's about giving people options that's really what it boils down to, is, is giving people options so that they can remain flexible. Now, you have a, a program or a schedule, and it's usually you work out three days a week, and maybe that fourth day you do a walk or something like that. Um, or like I said, you can work out four days a week if you've been working out for you know consistently for five or six months. But that doesn't have to be the way that it always is. You have your planned rest days, which of course occur around the four days a week. So you pick out your, your days that you can work out, and you have your rest days. Which to me, the schedule rest days is you don't have to do anything you can you can just you can work on mobility work, you can do a walk if you want, but you don't have to right um, the unplanned rest days is where people really get hung up because they start to feel guilt or shame about not doing what was on the the mm. schedule, and then it's like, well, if I miss that one, then I should just skip the like, well, then what am I doing? I should just I'm not even gonna work out the rest of the week and then it tumbles into like you know, you just totally get off the rails and then you have to start over again. And I just want people to stop with that, you know, and say (laughs) it is okay. It's cool to skip a workout, you know, in the grand scheme of things it is one day and so you just get up the next day and you do the workout that you were that you missed or you do some something else you do a walk you do like i said a restorative workout and you move on with your life because beating yourself up about it or trying to push yourself to do this stressful workout or a high intensity workout when you know it doesn't feel right which so many people know something's off yet they still do things. I mean, that was me. Um, you're only going to do more harm. And so we have to really put all of the things into place, which is really assessing mental, emotional and physical health. How do you feel? Do you, are you excessively sore from the day before? Like if, if your mobility is, like not, if you, if you can't sit down on the toilet and go up the steps without being in pain, then you probably shouldn't be going back into the gym <laughs> to do a high intensity workout, right? Like people are like, well, how sore is too sore? I'm like, well, if you falling the last eight problems, inches onto the toilet is too right. sore. Yeah. yeah. Maybe you should just go for a little walk. You know, like <laughs> that sounds good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and eat a lot. But yeah, it's it's just assessing where, where you are in that moment and being okay with being flexible around that. Now, following the schedule, having a schedule, having options, like I said, but being okay with that flexibility. So that to me is, that's something for people who are, who I feel like is 95% of my clientele, which is they have a lot going on. They have kids, they have health issues, they have Parents living with them, they have their, you know, they're losing a family member. They have, they have, they have so much stress. They're working full time, and it's like there's so much else going on. And so it's just about how can we get you to remain consistent Mm, by being flexible, not beating yourself up when you miss a day or you have to take an extra rest day. So, yeah, I would love to share with our listeners how I
1: do this balance of working out with autoimmune disease, right? I have a Hashimoto's thyroiditis and fibromyalgia. And, uh, especially like now finishing up another book, my stress levels really high. And the way that I manage this is I have four days a week scheduled at the gym, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday's a rest day, and then Thursday and Friday. And I go to the gym at seven 30 in the morning. I work out with a personal trainer at a CrossFit gym. And what we do is, uh, whatever feels right for that day. So when I'm doing, my powerlifting, whatever feels heavy that day, is what I build up to. So sometimes with a back squat, that's going to be 160 pounds, and sometimes that's going to be 200 pounds, and sometimes I'm going to say I don't have back squats today. <laughs> let's, let's not do them. And um, if a day, if I if I get up on a day and I feel really really terrible. Uh, we go and we do mobility work for the entire um, session that I would normally be there working out. And if I go in and I have a ton of energy, we do something really, really challenging. And what that has allowed me to do, switching to that type of model, is actually maintain consistency at the gym that I was not able to do before. And it's because I'm the person who... I have no problems taking a rest day. If I feel terrible, what I have a problem with is going back the next day. So it tends to me like it's, it's like uh, falling down the like sugar snowball of bad. It's like the sedentary snowball of bad. So I'm the person who, um, if I skip a day at the gym, even if that's the best choice for me that day, my motivation starts to wane really, really quickly. So I have a really hard time getting back to the gym. And when I first Um, started doing CrossFit, I was basically uh, working out until i burn myself out and then having to take a few weeks off to recover and then slowly, you know, weaning back into it and then going until I'd burn myself out. And I was in this really awful cycle where I couldn't maintain consistency because on some days CrossFit is too much for me physically because I'm a person with four autoimmune diseases. Some days it's great. And so switching to this model has allowed me – and you, you don't need to do this with a personal trainer, although you do need to do this with some flexibility uh, in whatever you know, location you're going to work out. But what this has allowed me to do is maintain that consistency while catering the intensity level to whatever is appropriate for me for that day. And it's been um, – I mean, it's been great. I've been working with my, my trainer f- for over three years now.
2: Yeah. And you know what? That's a great thing. I I told my husband that I would love to just have a trainer so that I could outsource a lot of this stuff because that's a great idea. You know, it's like it, we can get caught up in our heads so easily. Like you said, you miss a day and then it's like, it just tumbles. And I think that happens for most people. It's just like, I don't want to go, you know, just all of a sudden it's so hard to get back into the motion. And when you have a trainer that person is responsible for communicating with you. A good trainer will communicate with you. We'll know when you need an extra rest mm-hmm. day. We'll know when you have, you know, you've, you've gotten to be, you just, you're beat up, you need some extra rest, or like, we're going to shift workouts to, to make sure that you don't get so, um, you know, sore, like you said, and, and right. that you're not like, we're going to shift your workouts around that. And so, I think that that's one of those mental, (laughs) mental health techniques, like get a trainer so that you don't have to be spinning a lot of these things mentally. So, yeah.
1: I mean, it's also possible, like, I think, um, a trainer can sort of train you how to recognize this in yourself. Cause it was one of the things that when I started working with my coach, she knew better than I did. Um, like what my body was up for that day. So Mm. it would become a you know, I would I would walk in, I'd be like, oh, yeah, I, you know, I feel pretty run down this morning. And she would say, well, you know, why don't you just uh, hop on the rower and just you know, see how you feel? And I would get off the rower and be like, no, I got tons of energy. She was like, yeah, I thought so. And she would be able <laughs> to, I think, read my body language in a way that I was not as in tune with myself and my recovery and, and what I was up for that day. And I one of the things that's been great working with her is that I've learned that like, you know, like if, um, I, you know, moved away or if she moved away, I hope that doesn't happen because I mean, now I just enjoy hanging out with her is really why we keep working out together. Um, but, (laughs) but I think I would be able to like take over by myself having done that for so long. I think I would be able to go into the gym and work out much more intuitively, but that was not a skill that I had going in. And, uh, that was something that I, really had to learn and and sometimes had to learn by making mistakes too.
0: Mm. Yeah, it is something you have to learn for sure. So let's say you're you're broken, and I say that with the most love and affection, and I'm using the term about myself, right? You've either – you're at a point with your autoimmune disease or a different kind of chronic issue or injury that you're – it's a fine line between where you do and don't engage and you're doing a lot more of Noel kind of what you refer to like the walking type activities and the, and the yoga or perhaps swimming that we encourage our listeners who have those type of conditions to explore. Where do you, where do you measure taking things to the next step? Because as much as Sarah, you might have energy now and in other people's Roles if they have, let's say, adrenal fatigue or something like that, they're going to make themselves worse by capitalizing on energy that they don't really have that they're getting from the endorphin rush of working out. And then right, you have like all this repercussion in the back end, right? So as as we, and I say we, because this is me, this is where I am in my recovery, how do you move forward and kind of gauge that on you know, what to measure in terms of your own progress, as well as when do you push yourself, but knowing that it's not pushing you to a place where you're going to make matters worse for yourself. You know, like I don't want to have excuses for myself, but I also know that if I do X, Y, or Z, and then my back is aching afterwards, that it wasn't the smartest life choice. Right. So it's like I feel like I have a better handle on that as, as time has gone on. And just because I, I was a lifter for so long and I understand my body, but I, I think also it's an easy crutch to, to lay back on, right? Like when I could go swimming or I could go to yoga, it's like, well, I don't want (laughs) to, you know, like, I don't want to cause a, you know, too much this week. Um, so maybe we can talk about that a little bit.
2: Yeah. Do can I ask you a question? Yeah. We can use you... me as a guinea pig. Sure. So so are you still in chronic pain? Would you consider that to be your way of existing right now?
0: Yes. I, by like a doctor scale, yes. Mm-hmm. But I think that's just because of the type of injury that I have, it's going to be potentially for the rest of my life. Like that's, it's just sucks, but that's the way that it is. Yeah.
2: And is it aggravated or does it get worse when you do certain things and it does it get better
0: when you do certain things or? Absolutely. It gets way worse when I do certain things. And then Mm -hmm. I need to have like a protocol, um, for myself of, um, rest as the only way to reduce the inflammation and calm it back down to being, you know, like the, the low level, um, of non-problems. I think for me in particular, my biggest thing is muscle tightness, um, around the injury. So, um, I Mm -hmm. sit funny or I walk funny or, um, I, I do something like that. Like I have to be really careful when I exercise because, um, even just walking around the neighborhood, if I'm not walking intentionally and being mindful of like how I'm stepping and how I'm holding my hips Mm -hmm. and my back when I'm done, I've aggravated the injury. Do you know what I mean? Because those muscles yeah. tighten and pull on it. So, um, it's, it's a matter of knowing that about myself, but it's also a matter of like not saying to myself, no, if I walk, I'm gonna, my back is going to hurt. I'm not going to do that. You know what I mean? Like it's that fine yeah. line of, of pushing myself, uh, but also not re-injuring myself.
2: Yeah, I want to acknowledge that that's a really hard place to exist in. <laughs> like, I know it I know it weighs on you heavily. Um, it, it's hard. There are so many people who have chronic back issues and who have chronic knee issues or who are in chronic pain, and that's, that's really, really hard. And one of the things that uh, – one of the ways that I've had to work through it um, – I've pretty much been in pain for two and a half, three years with all of a sudden the last six months I have not been anymore – And what I attribute that to is not doing the things that aggravate it. Um, Number one, I learned that from my PT (laughs) Um, because what it was was, so this was just a, and this is the way it is with a lot of chronic pain. It's like, you don't necessarily have a set diagnosis. And so it was, it's just all about, okay, let's do what the things that we need to do that make you feel better. Um, And I personally, I always recommend people outsourcing that as much as possible. So try every sort of thing that you can. This is not talking to you, Stacey. This is talking to people in general. So first and foremost, like I had to go through a bunch of PTs, right, with chronic pain. And so my number one recommendation for people when they come to me about a chronic knee issue or whatever is, do everything you can to research and find a really qualified PT. Um, And I think with a lot of women, especially childbearing years or who have had multiple kids, I have a lot of women who struggle with just undiagnosed or just weird SI joint pain and stuff like that. And so I'm on this real big kick of like, find a pelvic floor physical therapist. If you have incontinence, that's not, that's common, but it's not normal. It's a sign that there's something wrong. There's something, there's something not working correctly and it can be um, remedied and you can find um Stability again, you you can absolutely find resolution. So you know, finding and 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 that like with a finding a functional medicine practitioner or, or or an MD or a pediatrician, it's it's a you're gonna have to do some interviews and you're gonna have to do some searching. But I highly recommend somebody or people find a good PT to work with them on a number of different issues. And if that PT doesn't solve your issues, then get a second opinion. Um, I've been through quite a few. And this last one that I worked with, I think has been my ticket, Um, you know, explore acupuncture, explore chiropractic care um, and do all of those things that you can do. Because I, I really think that there's gotta be some way that most people like, yes, you're going to, some people have chronic pain. That's always going to exist, but there has to be things that you do. There has to be a way that you can move and feel better. And I think that everybody has those things. It just takes teaming up with somebody and having, like you said, it, it's all about figuring out what your motivation is, too. And like if you have accountability, like to <laughs> you meeting somebody at the pool or somebody at yoga, you'll, you, you know, if, if that's how your your tendency, what your tendency is, is to I need that external ca- accountability, then make sure you set that up for your life and do that thing that, you know, makes you feel better, even if it's not the thing that you enjoy. And I think that that's one of the things that is things that is so hard for people like you, Stacey and, and me, is that the, the things that we want to do are the things that cause us the most pain. Um, and and so it's hard to find not to do the other things that we know, um, create like, you know, less pain for us or do help our condition. And it's harder to get the motivation to do that. And so that's where really trying to play into other, our motivation, our personal motivation tendencies, whether that be external accountability or, or just making sure we're writing it down and holding ourselves to that appointment or making sure we have a babysitter come at the house so that we can go do that thing. um, That's where you have to get a little bit more vigilant with that. But I I just I, I feel for you. I feel for all the people who are in chronic pain. And my recommendation is usually stop doing the things that hurt it and try to team up with a physical therapist or somebody who can really help you find the things that work for you. Because for us, it was always, you know, my back condition was always, well, let's do glute training and let's do this band exercise. And I would, you know, we'd do that for a few days and I'd come back and I'd say, I'm getting worse. And she's like, okay, we're checking that off the list. Even though this is supposed to be perfect for your condition, we're not ever going to do that again. And so we would do the things that made it feel really good. And she let go of trying to diagnose me and started figuring out, you know, what are the things that we can do that when you leave here, you feel better than when you came in. So that's my part of the discussion. I, I I just I wonder what your perspective is Stacy though on that um because I I know it's been a reoccurring issue for you um do you do you feel like there're certain things that really
0: do help you get get more motivated or I think honestly I mentally have not been able to do that um and because i'm just disappointed that i'm not doing what i want to be doing like you said right <laughs> like I'd, i don't yeah. want to be doing the the slow movements i want to be doing heavy lifting and um that's i'm i'm not at a place where i can do that and so it's taken some time to mentally accept that and i am at a place where i have um accepted that now so what um I'm doing as kind of what you're doing. I, I was working with someone who was a personal trainer and who was trying to get me back to lifting heavy. And what I found is that I was pushing myself because that person wanted me um, having a background in they uh, they were a competitive strongman and also like a physical therapist personal trainer and so their motivation was getting me back to being a strong man and i was mm. using that as like a yes yes i can deadlift today i can i can do it and then i was i was reentering myself and i i had you know a flare and i was like this is because i like i'm not taking care of myself mentally and i need to pull back from that and i need to refocus um and so I've been uh, actually talking recently to the boys about joining the Y and getting a swim membership this winter. Um, it'll be good for them to continue to swim because they do the swim team in the summertime. Um And it'll be good for me to have accountability partners (laughs) and like, uh, potentially I can do water aerobics like my grandmother used to do. She loved water aerobics at the Y and I just am going to laugh about it. And, um, my issue is I really need, uh, like flexibility and stretching as like a, as a planned activity. And I think that's been the hardest thing for me is like, um, when it's not formal. And I think that's what, um, is great about your strong from home program is it's something that you can make formal from home. And honestly, I'm, I might be hitting you up and doing that myself for, um, a, a plan for me to do the activities that, will help my back when it comes to not my back injury itself but the muscle tightness that I was talking about right cuz the more right. that I the more flexibility and the stretching and things that I do the more it'll help and so from the perspective of our listeners I think the reason I I brought myself up as kind of like a example in this is I think that there are so many people who are on that cusp of I really want to do it but also If I do certain things, it will cause a boomerang effect, whether it's with, you know, an autoimmune disease or adrenal fatigue issues, or, you know, there, like you said, injuries beyond just a back, like there are so many different things that, um, because you want something you might justify in your brain, it's okay to do it or vice versa. You might say, well, I have an injury and therefore I can't, or I, you know, it's not a good idea for me to do something. But I think in reality, we can all find and need to find a way to be physically active and that looks entirely mm-hmm. different for everybody and i think that's that's been the hardest thing for me is wrapping my brain around as we started the show with this identity that I had of being a competitive strong woman and loving to lift so much that when it got taken from me and this, that's, those are my negative words, right? When it was stolen from me <laughs> by my own behavior, I was robbed. <laughs> I was robbed. Yeah. Um, it's not just about the uh, identity for sure. I mean, I'm, I'm moved on from that, right. But it's, so what's next? Like, what, what am I okay with? What do I want to do? And I think that's um, been the challenge for sure.
2: Yeah, because Stacy and Sarah and Noelle, I mean, we are all worthy, you know, we are worth it without that identity. And that has to be the, the basis that we build everything from. And I think that's kind of, stripping that identity away and stripping our worth away from things. That is really where we see the most benefit. We we allow ourselves to move on and do other things um, and not feel like we're somehow less than because we're not no longer, you know, doing that thing. And that took so long for me to, I mean, I had, ch- I continued to chase running all the way up till, I mean, probably three or four years ago, like trying Because I just wanted, that was the thing that I thought I loved. I mean, and I did. I mean, I still think back on that. And gosh, I I would love to just do, you know, a half marathon again in a cool, like in New York City. That would be so fun. And, you know, it was just a fun sport thing for me. But my body hates running. Anytime I do any sort of running, I will come back limping because of, of my back. And I know it has to do with my form and all that stuff. And I worked for years trying to fix my form and trying to be the best runner. And in the end of the day, it's like, it's okay. You know, it's okay not to do that. And I can get fit and be fit doing other things. And my, of course my worth isn't wrapped up in that. And, you know, I moved on from that just like you did Stacy. but it's, it's more about what do I want from life and what do I want to be when I'm 75? How do I want to feel when I'm 85, 90? Do I want to be limping around with two, you know, knee braces and a back brace <laughs> and a cane because I had to pursue running? You know what I mean? It's like, no, I want to be the woman who is enjoying her life and enjoying her kids and or grandkids if they choose to have kids and doing water aerobics you know with my other ladies that's what I want to be doing and and I want to feel I'm gonna take you to water
0: aerobics now it's gonna happen I want to go
2: with you I really
0: do (laughs) so I guess so the question I have is and I, I love this idea of what, what you do does not define you. And I think that's mm-hmm. beyond fitness period. I think that's such a good concept right? is we, we are more than whatever this physically, physical activity that you're doing or can't do or don't do, or, you know, whatever it is. Um, so how, how does one measure progress? Cause I know from, from knowing you that the answer is not physical appearance, right? Like how, how do you measure success right. and progress?
2: Right. So it's definitely not the number on the scale, um, which is how the fitness industry and the dieting industry loves to direct all of our efforts so that we do anything and everything to try to get the number on that scale to move. And all three of us know that there are plenty of things you can do to get that number on the scale to go down that are very unhealthy. And you can get a lot healthier and not actually lose any weight. I've I've had countless people who, I've had people write into the podcast who would say, I was doing this thing, I was in this great fitness program, and I was feeling awesome. And I had so much more energy. And then I got on the scale and I didn't lose any weight. And I stopped doing it because it obviously wasn't working. And I was like, whoa, 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 what? Like, I can't, like, it just, that is how we've been programmed. And so the there are two, two major ways. And the, the first way I think is probably the most impactful, which is your numbers, your blood work, you know, like what, do, what are, what are your numbers? What do they say? What is your blood pressure? What are your inflammatory markers? Like, what are your heart? Like, what are your hormonal? What's like, what's a hormonal panel look like for you? And it's a lot, like you can get as many numbers pulled as you want, but what are the things that are important to you? And I think that people already have that information because a lot of times, what sparks interest in fitness and nutrition is some sort of health condition. You know, we see, we either have, you know, a major um, kind of shocking moment that kind of wakes us up or something just slowly is progressively chronically getting worse and we start to get older and have kids and we're like, what do we, like, we need to work on this. So getting some very specific blood work taken before you get into that and making sure that you are using that as a marker and getting that pulled later on. And let's say three years, maybe maybe six months into your your changes, whatever fitness program you're doing and pursuing and seeing how those numbers have changed. I think that's probably the most powerful, um, when it comes to actual fitness and what you're doing, uh, you know, progress occurs in very small incremental shifts, very small incremental shifts. And so sometimes if we're not tracking them and we're not recording them, we think we're not actually getting any better because we we're not actually lifting a, like a five pounds heavier, 10 pounds heavier. And truthfully, progress can happen all over the place. So you can be able to do a workout a little faster. So that would be being able to do something like time-wise, seeing time improvements. You could be able to do, like see an increase in the amount of reps you can do. So instead of doing five intervals, you can now do six after a few weeks. Um, Instead of using 10 pound dumbbells, you can maybe do the workout doing with 12 pound dumbbells. So that would be an increase in weight. And if you take like a little, you can just use a basic notebook. Um, but I do have like a progress or an activity tracker that comes with strong from home. That's a digital thing, but I do, I, I'm old school. I like to write it, actually, like write it down while I'm doing it. Um, you know, you can do a workout, write it out. And then in the corner, say, this was the time it took. This is what I was able to do. This is the weight that I used. And when you come back to that workout in two and four and six weeks, you can say, "Oh wow, look at that! Like I I did that a, like a whole minute faster, you know?" Or "Oh wow, I was a, I was able to actually push it and use the twelve pound dumbbells." And it's so easy to miss that stuff, but that's that's huge progress. All those tiny little shifts add up to be to show us that we're making real you know strength and efficiency and aerobic gains. So yeah. Not that complicated, but, you know, it's really important, in my opinion.
0: Well, and I know, Sarah, you do retests, but you don't do them every month. And that's, I think, (laughs) I think maybe you could talk about that a little bit too, right? Like, I think people have this unrealistic expectation that they're going to see huge progress immediately. And whether it's, you know, weight loss or strength goals, I think we need to have some realism around, you know, what that looks like.
1: Yeah. So I can tell you from my experience, I have certain workouts that I really enjoy and they're part of my normal rotation. Um, but those aren't the workouts that I'm doing as sort of like milestones, like how, you know, how much stronger or faster am I now? Um, I, I test like one rep maxes about once a year. Um, the, I last—it's October, and I last tested in January. So I, I haven't tested one rep maxes since then. Um, and quite frankly, you know, from my perspective, I'm not working out um, in order to like—I'm not going to be competing at the CrossFit Games, like ever. That's not—it's not something that uh, my autoimmune diseasey forty-something body is going to want to do. Um, and it's also not, it's not on my goals. It's, it's not something that, um, that I would find fulfilling. I have other things that I would rather do with my time. Um, but that being said, I do like to check in once in a while and see where I'm at. And I do tend to set, um, smaller goals, right? So I had a really big goal, um, for last year, uh, which was to be able to do a toes to bar, I've been working on it for for three years. And for our non-crossfitting listeners, that's where you hang from a bar and you lift your toes up to touch that bar that your hands are holding onto. And it sounds, I hope, I mean, I think it sounds not as hard as it is, but it is a challenging movement, and it took me a long time to build up the necessary strength to be able to do that. Um, and then this year, you know, my goal was to be able to, uh, do a specific CrossFit workout called grace, uh, at the prescribed weight, which is 95 pounds. And, uh, I was able to do that a few months ago. So I, I tend to set goals that are, um, they're fun things to work towards, but I tend to set goals that are actually fairly attainable for me. So I tend to set things that I'm not, you know, I'm not that far away from this. And I know that if I just, you know, shift my focus. It's not even working harder towards something. It's just shifting my focus towards that thing. So the same amount of work that I would be doing, but focusing towards, you know, this particular skill, this particular, um, you know, strength for this goal and then shift my, shift my focus somewhere else. And I really do that, um, almost just because it's fun to do different things and shift that focus. It's fun to, um, have different goals and, kind of mix it up. And so I'm not really doing it from a, you know, set a goal, attain a goal type perspective. It's more because, um, I'm looking for something different, right? So now that I've, oh, I've done this thing now let's, you know, switch gears and let's work on this other thing. And for me, it's just a way of mixing it up and and doing something different. I don't put a ton of stock into, did I do that, you know, workout. 20 seconds faster than the last time. If I'm feeling really good, it's kind of fun to come back. And I've got certain workouts that I do come back to just, just to see if I can beat my time, but it's not something that drives my fitness routine or that I'm, you know, I'm going to the gym to work on this thing so that I can take 10 seconds off. Um, For me, it's more like a check-in. Like I do check-in with my scale and I, weigh myself and, and see where I'm at. And it's, it's one of many things that I look at. And like Noel said, I, I really do put much more stock into how do my joints feel when I get out of bed in the morning? Do I feel happy? Am I laughing when my kids tell me a joke? Um, do I feel energetic? Do I feel motivated? Do I feel focused or am I really easily distracted? And what do my, what do my, um, what's my blood work say? and i really look at all of those things as metrics in terms of how i'm doing i don't put a ton of stock into any one thing
2: mm. i like that a lot and to speak to my example before of the woman who was like feeling better and then it didn't she didn't see it you know on the scale it's that's i think a huge one too that's overlooked is how do you feel you know yeah. and that, and you just described that perfectly which is like oh like yeah, because I got into fitness, all these things changed and I was able to do things, you know, like my body allowed me to do new things, um, whether that be have more energy and sleep better, which is, you know, can be a result of of fitness um, or like interacting with my kids more and having the energy to do so or play in games that they play and and those sort of things. So, yeah. Well, it's
0: like when I started... Paleo, my goal wasn't to lose, you know, a bunch of weight. My goal was to have the energy to play with my kids. And enough energy that when I got home from work at the end, this is how bad I was health wise, that when I got home at the end of the day from work, that had enough energy to sit at the dinner table and eat a meal with everyone instead of slumping over on the sofa and eating it separately from them. Like, and I have to go back to where I was originally with my health to remember what those goals were. And I, I hope our listeners do that as well, because I think once you get immersed in, um, you hear what other people are doing or how fast their progress is, or you read about things online or you see things on Pinterest or whatever, you know, Instagram, everybody has a curated story to tell. I think you lose sight of what your goals are and where you were. And I think, you know, for me and Sarah was the same way, you know, Sarah got off a ton of medications and, you know, I, I had all of these immediate improvements and, energy and all of these kinds of things. And so when sometimes it feels like you're not making the progress you wanted, or in my case, you know, I, I had to take some backward steps in my progress because of an injury. Like it's still big picture. What, what am I doing? What are my goals? And it's okay if I take a little time to get my health to where it needs to be before I take the next step on this other journey. And so to me fitness is this ideal health condition but i don't think we can achieve fitness until we're also working on our own health and being active is entirely different than focusing on fitness in my like it's just like my personal definition of things and so i i have so much respect for Sarah for how committed you've been to your fitness as well as your health all of these years. And I love the balance that you've talked about on the show with working with your trainer and all that kind of stuff. And I hope that that sort of mentality can permeate with our listeners to apply to wherever they are. And it's going to look different for everybody. And it might look different for you tomorrow than it did yesterday. And that's okay. And vice, you know what I mean? Like I I just think it's so fluid and I wish I would have understood that a little bit better before my injury. Like, I, I think that there's a lot of um, learning that happens from the journey that um, I just hope that like this, this beating yourself up thing is just not necessary, right? Like <laughs> we don't, we don't need to feel bad about where we are right now. We just need yeah. to think, you know, what, ha- what, ha- what progress have I made? and be proud of that um and if the answer is none then okay what can we do to get where we need or where we want to be and baby steps are okay to get there you know well and sometimes when you say what progress have i made and the answer is none
1: sometimes you're measuring the wrong thing which i think is exactly noel's point about you know not you know how do you measure progress sometimes sometimes it is um, sometimes the progress is the routine, right? Sometimes it's just hey i I fit this into my schedule, you know three days a week for the last month, and you know the you know all of these other things that i'm I'm waiting for this wonderful fitness magic to happen, and i don't I don't see those measurements yet, but maybe maybe the measurement of success what is the fact that I am putting in that effort and working towards something, and I think we sometimes um, we sometimes forget
0: that that in itself is a success.
2: Mm.
0: Such a good point. Yeah. Well, listen, I gotta wrap this up because I have a YMCA uh, water <laughs> aerobic schedule to research and send to Noel. <laughs> I'm sure you're gonna text it to me. I am. I looking up the link right now for you, Noel. <laughs> oh man.
2: I'm so down. I am actually. I am so down. You don't even know. I think that that looks like so much fun, and it's so non. Like there's just no impact to it. It's just such a great way. That I mean, that in and of itself, you don't have to like you talk. You were talking about stretching before. There's a lot of movement like that that does create you know the stretching motions and mobility. So, if you need me to be your accountability partner, <laughs> here we go. All
0: right, I found the schedule. <laughs> Gonna send it. (laughs) I'm feeling like I'm being left out again. (laughs) All right. Well, listen, when you're here for Thanksgiving, we can
1: go all picks together. First, Gorge on Pumpkin Pie. Then
0: our
2: Black Friday morning
0: thing. Awesome. Well, Noelle, thank you so much for joining us and diving deep into this topic. I think I hope that it was helpful for our listeners. I know it was helpful for me. Um, (laughs) And I just want to remind everyone where they can find you. We didn't mention earlier, but you mentioned your podcast several times. So maybe if you could just run down and you can find all of this on coconutsandkettlebells.com. But just remind people where they can find you, your program, your book, all that good stuff.
2: Yeah. My hub is coconutsandkettlebells.com. The website, um, sorry, the podcast is the well-fed women podcast and strong from home. I mentioned that is just an online program strongfromhome.com, And then the book is most places books are sold, but you know, Amazon, uh, coconuts and kettlebells. That's what it's called. So yeah, that's my stuff.
0: Awesome. And I don't think you mentioned it, but you are not only a certified personal trainer, but you're also a nutritional therapy practitioner NTP. I am. Right. The, that's I'm the dual. That's yeah. some legit credentials. I want to make sure our <laughs> our listeners understand. Um, you like you referred to yourself a mom a couple of times. I'm like, also a professional. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes. I, you know what? It it was, your heart kind of pulls you in the direction that you originally I've always loved fitness and I always wanted to be a National Strength and Conditioning Association personal trainer and I got the NTP cert first and I was trying to do the nutrition stuff and coconuts and kettlebells and I really focused on the coconuts and then I was like, "You know what? There's so much work to be done in the fitness industry." And that's kind of where I ended up. So I got that that certification second
0: actually, and that's kind of now what I focus on more. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks yep. again for joining us. And we, of course, will be back again next week, listeners. We look forward to chatting with you on yet another topic that Sarah and I will. Dive, dive deep between
1: into... now and then
0: <laughs> you know what i'll find something that she needs to do a lot of research on how about that listen no, I'm don't kidding i'm kidding <laughs> you're just saying because i had it easy this week is that what you're saying and and also cuz you started out by saying you know you you're, you're working on your book and i'm like oh you're going to love it if i send you some some uh-huh. topic that you need to spend 8 hours in pubmed on but i'm kidding i tease <laughs> i jest if you enjoyed this show, don't forget to leave us a review and share it in social media. And of course visit Noel on her social media as well. And coconuts and kettlebells. We love hearing from you and your feedback. So thanks as always for tuning in and we look forward to talking with you again next week. And thanks again, Noel for joining us.
2: Thanks for having me guys. This was fun.
1: Thank you for listening to the paleo view. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes. You can also support us by shopping for our favorite paleo products on the sidebars of our individual websites or by donating through PayPal.
0: Um, you have to like start it like it's going to be a group to begin with. Um, otherwise, it wanted to charge me like 23 cents a minute to talk to you, Noelle. And as much as I oh, like no, you. no,
2: no, 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 no,
0: no, You know, yeah,
1: did, no, did no. you try hitting on the little person with a plus sign beside them in the top right there was none of that on my Uh, call i see this new version of skype i'm not a fan it's like clearly made Mm. for millennials
0: (laughs) i figured it out because i'm a millennial (laughs) but just barely 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 five minutes late
1: (laughs) what you guys didn't know was that every time i muted i had a horrible coughing fit See, it was so great to have three people on the show. I wouldn't have been able to do a science show. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends.